Thank you. Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, before I pray and we look at the passage, just two quick things. One is Garth is preaching at Wavell Heights this morning, so that's why he's not here. And when you see him next week, you can ask him how he went. Um, second thing is, next week we'll finish the series of sermons in the Sermon on the Mount, but then Tom will come back to this exact same passage. So just declaring it, I'm not an idiot, uh, we will come back to the exact same passage, but he'll look at it from the point of view of anxiety and how that works. So it's purposeful when it happens, and it gives you a couple of weeks just to keep mulling over the same verses between now and two weeks' time. With that, uh, preliminary, let's pray as we come to the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this part of your word, we pray that you would challenge and convict and change us. Lord, please keep transforming and renewing our minds, we pray. Uh, we pray that you would help us to live with our hearts set on you and set on heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Home is where the heart is. It's a saying that gets around. When uh, I was growing up as a kid, we grew up over in Bangladesh. And I'm sure you can understand, many of you have moved from overseas. You, you know what it's like to move away from home and establish a new, a new home. It takes ages, it takes years for the new place to even feel like home. For us, though, Bangladesh was never home. We were always going to come back home to Australia. And so that meant the whole time we were over there, in our minds, we were running these comparisons, comparing things over there with what we knew of back home. Back home got bigger and better in our minds. The cars were better back here. The people were better back here. The food was better. The homes were better. Everything was better back in Australia. 
Um, we were forever drawing comparisons because our hearts were really back here in Australia. And I think that's kind of where the saying comes from. Home is where the heart is. It's where you want to be. It's where everything you, you are exists and you keep comparing and looking forward to enjoying it. In this section on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his disciples, tells his followers, that the kingdom of heaven is their home. That is where their heart should be. Um, last week we took a break from the Sermon on the Mount as um, Steve took you through the kind of those introductory passages coming into the Sermon on the Mount. So let me remind you of what we've seen so far. When you go back to chapter 4, verse 19, Matthew shows us Jesus calling his first disciples, the, the fishermen, um, he calls them to be fishers of people, fishers of men, to drop everything, to follow him and become fishers of people. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to his disciples in the hearing of a crowd of people, telling his followers what it will mean for them to live for him, what it will be like for them to be followers of him, to live as a follower of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount, it runs from 5 verse 1, Matthew 5 verse 1, all the way through to 8 verse 1 where they come down off the mountain. And so far in the Sermon on the Mount, there's key verses I've pulled out for you. The first one was 5 verse 16. If you look at 5 verse 16, Jesus wants his followers to be like light shining into the darkness um, so that others will be drawn to God and want to glorify God with them, drawn to God and want to fall on their knees with us, um, glorifying God. So 5 verse 16, this idea of um, being attractive, making the gospel attractive, attracting people to God. That's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Second verse we singled out was 5 verse 48, where Jesus wants his followers to aim for perfection. So in contrast to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who had all their rules and laws and were kind of very outward in their displays of righteousness, Jesus says his followers, they're to exceed that righteousness. And as you look at the context leading into 5, 5 verse 48, aiming for perfection is a daunting prospect. But what he's saying is, rather than minimise our compliance with God's rules, God's laws, rather than minimise our compliance, we ought to maximise our devotion to serving God. So as followers of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, it's telling us what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. You live a life that makes the gospel attractive to others. You live in a way which you're aiming for perfect perfection because God is perfect and as you do that you continue continue to rely on Jesus death in your place um, then the third verse that we singled out was six verse one which raises questions about our motives why we do what we do um, we don't aim for perfection we don't aim to be a, uh, making people attracted to the gospel in order to impress others we don't act out in order to be showy and impress other people. The Pharisees, they may have done that, but that's not what we do. So 6 verse 1 raises questions about our motives. We're out to, to live to please our Father in heaven. That's who we aim to please. And then as we come to today's passage, so we're deeper into chapter 6, it's priorities that are on view. What are your priorities it's what we place our value in. It's where we find our security. It's where our heart is, where our home is. As followers of Jesus, we're to have different priorities to the world around us. Our values will be different to the world around us. 
Um, the overview of these verses, it's pretty straightforward. The first half, so verses 19 through to verse 24, Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasure on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. In other words, um, your priority should be heaven, not material things. It's life with, around Christ in heaven that is our priority, and not things of this earth. And then the second half of the passage, Jesus says not to worry about material things. Not to be anxious about material things, but seek first the kingdom of heaven. God will look after you. Or as you put it together, like I've done in the outline, remember where your home is, and you won't have a worry in the world. The first half of the passage, remember where your home is. second half of the passage, you won't have a worry in the world. Homes where the heart is, where your heart is, will shape your priorities, will shape what you value, will shape what you think about. And so it's priorities that are on view here. And here's the thing, though. When you think about what we say our priorities are, what we declare our priorities, our priorities to be, it can be quite different to what our actions actually show that we value, what our priorities are. Um, there's many things that we do in life where we think long and hard. So at night church, there's a couple of weddings coming up. When you, when you ask someone to marry you, that's a massive question. You, you think long and hard about it. You, you, you plan it. You scheme. When you think about your job, you, you train, you prepare for a career. Um, when you think about the way you plan holidays, all, all the planning and decisions making shows where your priorities are, doesn't it? Um, show our major priorities, I guess, but every other living moment we're making smaller decisions. We're reacting to circumstances, circumstances and situations and all those unplanned actions can reveal just as much or more about our priorities and what we value. Our unthinking moments show what we really do value. They show what's really on our heart, what we're living for. And I think that's what makes this passage challenging because it confronts our deep set values and priorities. So as you look at verses 19 to 21, as followers of Jesus, we need to remember where our home is in 19 to verse 24, the first half of the passage, it's like there's three examples Jesus uses. The first one I've already mentioned, the, the idea of treasures. So have a look at it, Six, verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Thinking about treasure, things you value. We've just had floods again. We've seen how temporary earthly possessions are. Or if you're watching the news, the sad news about events in Ukraine, it's a horrible reminder that our worldly possessions, our material possessions, they are not permanent. They do not last. But then there's the everyday reminders as well. I mean, you hang out to get the new computer. Six months later, it's out of date or you've dropped it and broken the screen. These things that we, we treasure, they don't necessarily last long at all. Material possessions, they give fleeting joy and are of fleeting value. Jesus says, don't invest yourself in those things. Rather, place your value on the things that don't perish. Um, maybe some examples would be seeing a, a, a friend become a Christian. That lasts. 
that lasts into eternity. You can continue to enjoy that. Or heading out to KPC Kids to teach a Sunday school class, seeing the kids understand a passage in the Bible, there's lasting fruit there, isn't there? That'll make it through a flood or whatever else. The passage challenges our priorities. Our real home is where our heart is. The things we treasure, the things we value should be the things of God, the things in heaven. And so as you think about these things, yes, it is challenging because we're thinking, well, where is my heart? What am I valuing? So the first example is in terms of treasure. I think the second one is talking in terms of ambition. If you look at verses 22 to 23, it's a bit of a tricky couple of verses. And I think the tricky verses are the ones you dig harder into because there's usually something worth finding. If it doesn't make sense on first reading, dig a bit, bit deeper. I think what Jesus is saying is he's using the eye as like the eye of ambition. So see what you think. So verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I wonder if in the first part of verses 22 and 23, if he's saying our eyes, the things you look to, the things you aim for that drive you, your eyes, what you're looking for, aiming for, will fill your body. I wonder if it's a kind of like ambition there what you're looking to, what you're seeking, what you're chasing. Um, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. That's sort of, you know, we, we use that way of talking, don't we? So if your eyes are bad, you're chasing all the wrong things, your body, your life will be filled with all the wrong things. And then I think the last little bit makes it really stark for you, um, the idea of darkness there. So you've got treasure as one way of trying to, explain this the same idea sort of explained with your eyes or ambition and then there's a third go at it in verse 24 it says no one can serve two masters either you'll hate the one or love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other and then he comes back to material possessions again he says you cannot serve both god and money i think the thing to notice in there is he's saying you just cannot do it you cannot serve two masters he's not saying Don't try to serve two masters. He's saying, no, you can't do it. One will trump the other. It's always the way. Um, You just can't do it. It is impossible. Don't kid yourself. So we need to have that sort of clarity that Jesus has. You cannot serve materialism and God. If your heart is in possessions, it's not in God. You can't have both. You can't live for comfort and for God. You can't serve God and money. Of course, we want to put our caveats on it. Can a Christian be rich and wealthy? And say, oh, yes, but is your, where's your heart? Where's your heart is the point. You can see why it's hard to hear because when you've been a Christian for a few years, you will try it. You will try to serve two masters. It's kind of built into our sinful nature that we fight against. We will try to say that we're living for God when actually we're more concerned about security. We're more concerned about having the perfect family. We're more concerned about all these other things. The truth is we're pouring all our effort and our energy into those and not into God and living for him. So these three examples, treasures, ambition, slaves and masters, you pull all the examples together and it's a pretty clear image, isn't it? As followers of Jesus, we want to be living wholeheartedly for God. And there's you know, ways you can kind of test, is this the case? So, for example, if there was another flood while we're here and we're a fire at home and everything got wiped out at home, 
I think if, you're, if heaven is where your heart is, you'll probably bounce back a lot quicker, won't you? When your body starts falling apart after you turn 50, which it does happen, you'll cope a lot better if you're actually living for eternity, living for God. Home is where your heart is, and as Christians, our home and our heart should be with Jesus. It makes me think about, this is a different passage in the Bible, it makes me think about Colossians chapter 3, where Paul's making a totally different point, but listen to how it goes. So Colossians 3 verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Everything you're living for, your life, it's hidden with Christ. It's safe and secure with Christ. And when he returns, you'll experience it in full. And then he goes on, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, greed, and so on. It's the same sort of idea, isn't it? Home is where the heart is. Our heart should be with Christ in heaven. That's where our life is. And so the rest of the passage in Matthew 6 flips around. It becomes very, very positive. Remember where your heart is, and you won't have a worry in the world. This second half of the passage, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be different to those around you because you have different priorities. You know that God is looking after you. He's caring for you. If you remember where your heart is, you don't have a worry in the world. So if you flick through these verses, you'll notice he talks again and again about food and drink clothing they're kind of the the basic fundamentals the things you need for life and for living while we wait for jesus to return um you can see all three mentioned in verse 25 food drink clothing clothes get singled out in verses 28 to 30 and then all three are there again in verse 31 we're talking about material needs the things you need to live in this world the essentials of life they're basic needs the trick is we have this tendency of making them into more than what they are, more than just the basic necessities. With a bit of marketing, a bit of branding, um, and advertising, clothing, for example, it's an easy one to, to pick on. You've got to wear some clothes, don't you? I mean, ever since Adam and Eve did what they did, we feel we need to wear clothes. There's, then there's dress code expectations we put on each other. And then there's branding, wearing to impress, Somewhere you've crossed the line from having the necessities of life to chasing after these possessions and finding your completeness and your pride in those things. We turn clothes into power statements or measures of success. And it's easy to see with clothing, but we do the same with food. A bit more subtle. We need food to survive, we need drink, or we need to hydrate to, to live. But then there's magazines that tell you about which food you should or shouldn't eat. We make rules about what we should and shouldn't eat. There's all sorts of fashions. Um, you see what I'm saying, don't you? As Christians, if we remember where our home is, then we don't need to get sucked into all this marketing stuff and all this chasing after brands and possessions. We don't need to put ourselves into debt to impress. We don't need to. We don't need to even worry about these things. Tom will go more there in a couple of weeks. We don't need to be concerned about these things. They're the essential material, material things that we need to live. And yes, it would be nice to have lots of them, but don't get obsessed with chasing after these things. When we allow um, material things to consume our thoughts and our concerns, it doesn't end well. 
we start to compare or we start to worry, we start to stress, and that's not productive. And so you look at verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I don't know, some people need those verses more than others, don't we? And sometimes we need them more than others. We need to be reminded God is in control. What really matters is where you stand before Christ. What really matters is eternity with God in heaven. Don't worry about these things. Um, keep reading. Um, God cares in verses 28 to 30. He focuses in on clothing to make a point. So verse 28, and don't worry about clothes. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, gone, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Are you of little faith? They are encouraging verses. They're reassuring verses. God knows how to look after you better than you know how to look after yourself. So don't let things like clothing or food or drink come between you and God. Don't let concerns over what you'll eat or what you'll wear cause you to stop trusting in God. And then the last couple of verses, we come back to where we started. So verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Remember where your heart is, where your home is, um, and take one day at a time. The second half of the passage, it's just encouraging, reassuring. We have nothing to worry about in this life. And as you look across the passage as a whole, you can see how countercultural it is, how different we will be as followers of Jesus as we live like this, as we stand out as being different. Um, living like this will make us be different to all our neighbours in the street or at work or at school. So where is your home is the question, isn't it? Where is your heart? When we were growing up in Bangladesh and in India, Australia was always our home that we looked forward to. But there was a bit of an ironic twist to it because when we came home, it was nothing like what we thought it was going to be. Um, cigarette butts everywhere back in those days. In fact, my brother on the way through Singapore thought that was Australia. That's life in this fallen world, isn't it? We chase after things that in the end have no value. But thankfully, if we're following Jesus, we have much more to look forward to. Much, much more to look forward to. Um, look back over the Beatitudes and you get it there again. If you're trusting in Jesus, then you're already part of his kingdom. You have so much to look forward to. We may have an easy life now, or we may have a hard time now. That doesn't matter. What matters is eternity, where your heart is. And like I said um, beforehand, it's a fairly short sermon on a fairly short passage that you'll get to look at again in two weeks' time. So keep praying, keep thinking about these things and we'll get to come back through it again. Um, but how about, how about I hit pause on it, and we'll pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the reminder of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would be at work in our hearts, 
please convict us and change us and challenge us, we pray. We ask that each one of us here um, would know true life in Jesus. And we pray that our heart and our focus and our ambition will all be focused on Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.